Okay, so I don't typically start my episodes off this way, but it's a special week because Shades of Brown is turning two this week, y'all. Yes! Happy birthday to Shades of Brown. Give it, give it. Y'all can't see me, but I'm dancing. Dance with me, dance with me, dance with me. (laughs) I'm so excited. I launched this podcast on March 3rd, 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic. It has been quite the journey, and I'm so excited to see the two-year mark in this journey. OMG. Two years, four seasons, 30-something episodes, 10,000 plus downloads. Thank y'all. Over 40 countries represented, like who, where are who, 40, 40 plus countries, bruh? Like, what? Listening to me, y'all, y'all can't tell me nothing. I've learned so much on this journey and I have met such incredible people. Oh my gosh. I feel like my network is just stacked from coast to coast. This journey has been so incredible and I thank you all for being on this journey with me, for listening, for giving me your feedback, for supporting, for subscribing, for sharing with your friends. Y'all are dope, man. Y'all are dope. Y'all, this podcast was even honored by Impact Magazine. Last March, I was honored as one of the who's who of Black women in media, fashion, and film. Brit, that is so dope. I'm so grateful. And I've also been able to be featured on like other podcasts, such as To Be Single or Not To Be, the Sharice Nicole podcast, Real Talk with Michelle, the April B. Love Show, Elevate by SJC, and so many more. And I'm like, y'all be rocking with your girl and I appreciate it. I really, really do. I didn't know what I was doing when I began this. That's part of the reason why I do podcast consulting. Shameless plug. (laughs) But I do it because it's like, it was so hard getting this thing started. Like, what am I doing? What am I going to talk about? Who's going to listen? And here we are two years later. So to celebrate the Shades of Brown birthday, I have released some new merch. Yes, you can go buy some Shades of Brown merch right now. You can do it while you're listening to this podcast. Multitask, okay? Do two things at once. (laughs) So head over right now to Everything Alley B dot myspreadshop.com to get you some merch right now I dare you right now I've got shirts that say shades of brown I've got shirts that say let's unpack it and then my new stuff it says this and that because you know we all about that gray area we all about experiencing all of the shades okay y'all I'm so excited again that website is everything alley dot myspreadshop.com and if it's easier for you just go to the link in my bio on instagram or facebook and it'll take you right there boom it's that easy thank y'all so much for your support for your love all of it i am so so grateful and i cannot wait to see what's next how we'll expand and what other topics we'll cover and what other amazing guests we'll have y'all it's only up. We going up. Ay, 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 ay. Trick some, trick some, ay. <laughs> y'all, I just love y'all. I love y'all. I love the community that you all have allowed me to create. And it's just, it's just dope. And I'm excited. I'm happy. So happy birthday. Cheers. With the, with the virgin drink in my hand. Actually, I have water. But cheers. Imagine I'm popping bottles and champagne sprays everywhere. Yeah, all of it. All the vibes. You know it. Okay. <laughs> Thank y'all for taking a moment to celebrate with me. Now we can get into now we can get into the episode. <laughs> Hey y'all, welcome to Shades of Brown, the podcast that discusses the ever-evolving and sometimes contradicting thoughts of a Black millennial. 
I'm your host, Ali B, and I'm so excited that you're here with me for another episode. Y'all, I've been trying to have this episode since the very first season of Shades of Brown, and I'm so excited that I have the most perfect guest for this conversation, Miss Nefrenetti, aka Nefi. She is a Christian, an apologist, an attorney, y'all, an educator speaker, poet, wife, and mother. Welcome to Shades of Brown, Nephi. How you doing? Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, sis. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was introduced to you almost a year ago and I was led to your uh, YouTube channel. One of my friends was like, you've got to listen to, you've got to listen to her because I, I had all these questions and, you know, was having all these conversations about, is this demonic or not? Nah? You know, all these different things that Black Americans are into, specifically the millennial generation. I think that over the last several years, we have become so interested in our heritage and African rituals and practices and religions and what it means to be connected to our history and to our truth. And I think we've been in a search, in such a desperate search for the truth that we have opened ourselves up to just any and everything. And I think we have to be careful about that, especially us as believers in regards to what's true versus what's harmful Mm -hmm. or things that may just be neutral. So let's talk about all the things in regards to sage and rituals and what's biblical, what's not, what's witchcraft, what's not. Let's get into it. So let's unpack it. All right. One of the more popular things we see right now is the use of sage. We see it in smudging. We see that a lot of folks are using it in regards to cleansing energy and praying with it, all kinds of things. I don't use it, but I've not necessarily thought it was harmful. I just thought it was ineffective. Like this is probably not working for y'all. I have like research. I've researched its, you know, benefits in regards to scientific benefits. And of course, like it's an herb. So it can be using your food as seasoning, right? It can help you there. But overall with the like spiritual part of it, I haven't thought it was effective. Now, what I want to ask you is what makes it harmful? What makes it um, non-biblical or even demonic? Okay, um, so I think to be fair, the the definition of something um, being witchcraft or being demonic is pretty broad. It's pretty broad. And the definition I tend to go with, which I piece together from Encyclopedia Britannica and looking up the definitions of words such as like spells or magic and all those things combined, is basically the underlying sentiment is that you're attempting to influence the supernatural by using physical things. Mm. For example, let's just take smudging. For example, we're attempting to drive out a supernatural being or presence or energy vibe, whatever people, you know, whatever term people use by using the physical plant. And so we're we're saying that this plant has inherent supernatural powers. Um, And so in addition to that, people often also try to, influence the supernatural or the physical. So it's like, it goes both ways. So you can either try to like get people to fall in love with you or get good luck yeah. or get certain outcomes by using a plant. Or like we said, um, trying to get rid of bad vibes or welcoming good vibes. It comes from an ancient practice. Like it comes from a religion. It's not just something somebody picked up one day and said, hey, let's just do this. Mm-hmm. But it, it's associated with an entire system of beliefs. Mm. And so we, we, culturally have kind of tried to extract this one element and say, well, I'm going to pick this part and we're going to you know, practice this part. But there's a whole chain of beliefs that are associated with that. Um, and that's kind of where smudging comes from. It comes from a different religion. And so associated with that religion would be, you know, it's it's beliefs and um, practices and the spirits that come with it. Wow. OK, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for breaking that down, especially your definition of of witchcraft. That is extremely helpful. But it also opens up the door for some more questions because the first thought I have is, well, what about us praying with a blessed oil and us using it all around our houses and us praying and, you know, our mama's coming in our rooms and greasing up our foreheads, you know, (laughs) believing that we're using this right to to be effective in our prayers and to make sure that we're covered, literally covered. (laughs) (laughs) 
What do you say to that in regards to the, the Christian practice of praying with blessed oil, praying over olive oil and using that as we try to be effective in our prayer life? Okay, I'm going to use an example if that's okay. Okay. Um, so let's let's put ourselves hypothetically in like the year 2000 BC. Okay. okay. So we're Jews and we're in 2000 BC. And the Lord has established this system, this ceremonial system of offering sacrifices in a um, like as atonement for sin, representative of the future sacrifice that Christ would make, right? Yeah. But then we look around us and we see neighboring countries doing a similar practice. They also offer sacrifices to their deities. They don't have a similar rationale at all. Their rationale varies um, from group to group, but mainly the, the sacrifice itself is supposed to appease the gods. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the biblical tradition or religion, the sacrifice itself is not what appeases God. It's the fact that you're showing that you have faith in the fact that Christ is going to come. Right. Yeah. Yes. So we may see similar practices. It would be it would be perfectly fine. In fact, it would be according to the law for us to engage in the, in the ritual sacrifice, um, ritual practice of offering sacrifice as Jews. Right. Mm -hmm. But then if we were to turn around and do the same practice with another deity, it's the same physical practice with a different mentality and a different goal. Now it's witchcraft. Now it's demonic. And now there's a problem. And so even within Christianity, when it comes to olive oil, if ever there's a moment where we take our eyes off the fact that it's God who is blessing. It's not us. It's not the oil itself. It's not the substance mm -hmm. itself. This, then we then we then take the power in our own mind psychologically away from God and put it in the element, yeah. put it in the natural physical, and that's when it becomes witchcraft. So there are, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure there are plenty of Christians who are using olive oil in an inappropriate way <laughs> because they think that there's some inherent power in the oil itself. Yeah. So the oil is just a tool. The oil is just a vehicle. And when we're using it, we're praying to God. We're not seeking that, that there be some sort of magical invocation of some inherent power in the oil itself. Mm -hmm. And if we do think that, then, then we're in error. So I, I would say that was that's the major distinguishing factor. Like once we take our eyes off the cross, once we take our eyes off of God and his, um, his power and the fact that he's the one that's um, the source behind everything, and we, we kind of cross over into a, a territory where we either put faith in the object or put faith in ourselves. Yeah. And that's when it becomes witchcraft. It's, it's predominantly psychological in terms of what you're believing and what your intent is. Mm. And, and that's what makes it witchcraft. That definitely helps. Would that be um, the same for even like things like communion in regards to us drinking, you know, what, what, what is symbolized for, you know, the blood of Christ and then eating what is symbolized as his body? Would it be the same idea for that? In terms of like it having some sort of power? And comparing it to other rituals that so like so Christians have been known for being very critical of other religions and all these practices they have are just wrong and weird and just odd. Yet here we are um, taking communion, which is like drinking the blood of Christ. It's like it sounds weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Would it be that same idea that it's about the purpose behind it and, and us knowing that this cracker and juice has no power and that we are not actually drinking the blood of Jesus? You know, it's more of a, a symbol of our faith and what Christ did for us. Is it that same kind of idea in, our, in making sure it's rooted in our belief and our faith in Christ versus the practice? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Christ himself said, do this until I come. So it's it's commanded. Right. Um, so as far as us engaging in it, we're we're commanded to do it. But beyond that, just like anything else we're commanded to do, we have to be engaging in it with the right mentality and the right intent. This was hard even for the Jews when Jesus was alive. Like he told people in John chapter six, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the Bible says, a multitude of them walked away and never came back. Cause they were like, what, what is he talking about? Right. So, <laughs> so it kind of, it, it rubs people the wrong way if they approach it with secular understanding or just maybe even the wrong spiritual understanding, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, I would say it's similar because again, in other, in other places, people do practice cannibalism and people do drink blood and they, and they, and they believe that they're getting life energy or life power from that. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's not what Christians are doing. It's, it's symbolism. And the, and the symbolism is 
him sacrificing himself for us, which was a very literal thing, and us internalizing, you know, the Bible talks about the word, um, the word of God, Jesus being the word and his flesh being the word. And so this is just a symbolic practice of us internalizing his spirit and carrying out his deeds, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it can be similar. And as far as Christians, like having this mentality, right, where other things seem odd, they do be odd though. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they be odd, right? So, so, but that's, I, I think that as long as we stick to the Bible, right? Yeah. yeah we, as, as long as we're making our determinations on whether, on whether something is appropriate or not based on the word of God, then we'll be fine. And I think that that rubs people the wrong way because we're often just repeating what the word says, right? Mm-hmm. And that's offensive if you're not someone who follows the word. So if I say to you, Thanks. cannibalism is a sin or dr- just eating, drinking blood, Acts chapter 15 says that we should not be consuming food with blood in it, right? If I say that to someone and you know, no matter what their spiritual background, that may be offensive to them, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of spiritual difference and whether or not they follow the word of God, right? But I'm not, I'm not going to say that Christians don't often have the wrong attitude. They are, we often do. We yes, yeah. but yeah. we often do, and we need to work on that. But yeah, but yeah, it's beyond the practice. It's 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 what we believe about it. You're not saying because I feel like people would be like, wait. We're not supposed to eat food with blood in it. What you, what you talking about? You talking about my steak? Wait, hold on. You're not referring to like meats that we cook, right? Um, yeah. Wait. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Acts <laughs> uh, chapter fifteen is like the 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 first. The first council that was had, the first ecumenical council, meaning like the church got together and made some decisions on what the entire body of then known Christianity would do. Yeah. And they were basically gathering because people were confused, particularly Jewish converts were confused about which laws the Gentiles had to follow. Right. The Gentiles being anybody who wasn't born a Jew as they have this new phase of Judaism now known as Christianity, they're confused about what constitutes Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so the church gets together and the Holy Spirit tells them basically to put certain explicit laws upon the Gentiles. And then later on, they would develop in their spiritual walk and they would learn further. So in Acts chapter 15, verse 20, let's start from verse 19. It says, wherefore my sentence is that we trouble them not, which from among Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they should abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication, and from things strangled, and from blood. And so in this verse, they're referring primarily to um, dietary restrictions. And so when it says from blood, you'll if you pull up like on Bible Hub and just pull up that particular verse and see all the different translations lined up, mm-hmm. um, it tells you that they're talking about food with blood in it. And they're actually referring back to an Old Testament law that forbade the consumption of blood because the Lord says that life is found in the blood. So we should not be consuming the blood of an animal. All the blood should be cooked out or cleaned out or whatever before we consume it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what the Gentile understood. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Sis ain't telling us to stop eating meat, is she? <laughs> <laughs> You said something really powerful a few minutes ago. You referenced people approaching these things with a secular perspective versus spiritual one. And I think that is such an important note when it comes to all of these things. Because of our generation, you know, we are part of the information age and we have access, um, more access to information and even truths that may be generations before us didn't. And we found ourselves questioning so many things, right? And because we see what we believe are facts, we have this argument to stand upon, right? And I think it's very necessary that we be careful in approaching things of faith just with a secular perspective, because things of the spirit may not always line up with facts or with secular understanding, like these things go so far beyond our intellect. And yes, we should be proud of the fact that we are thinkers, that we analyze, that God has given us a brain to to pick these things apart. I think that's beautiful. But I also think my fellow peers, let's be careful in trying to fully understand the things of faith because we just won't like 
Because if we did, it wouldn't be faith. <laughs> like it's yeah, just, okay. it's just that. So I want this. I just wanted to to piggyback on that thing on that part about secular understanding because we be getting caught up, and I think that's where we lose it is thinking that we have to fully grasp everything spiritual. We just won't. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into this. Um, I I was raised Pentecostal. I am very proud of my upbringing in regards to being exposed to charismatic kind of thing and believing in the gifts and and all those things, right? Like, you know, we, <laughs> we're deemed as the radical ones, right? You know, um, we have be having revivals and prophets coming to town and, you know, tell all your business, all that kind of thing, all those kinds of things. Right. And I do believe in prophecy and I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful that Jesus himself was prophet. Right. But now we see a lot of prophetic entrepreneurs and we see things like, you know, prophetic consultations and like, you know, it goes beyond the church service where in service, you know, you, you get called out, you go to the altar and a prophet is praying for you and speaking to you, right? It's both ways, right? In church, when a prophet is prophesying at the end of that, there's typically an opportunity to sow, to give an offering, right? You know, um, the word of the Lord was spoken, you all, you ought to seed into this, sow into this. But also there are people who have whole businesses where they offer prophetic insight to you for a fee. And I haven't necessarily seen anything wrong with this, but I have considered, wait a minute, what differences are there when it comes to paying for psychics? Can you help us with that? Mm, that's deep. Okay. I'm going to start off by saying the Bible says that the workman is worthy of his hire. In other words, if somebody is laboring for you spiritually, it's not inappropriate to in turn, give an offering to provide for their sustenance, right? Yes, yes. So that's why we are okay with paying pastors because we understand that their their life work is to provide for us spiritually. And if they're doing that and trying to, which unfortunately a lot of pastors are having to um, take on like regular secular jobs in order to put food on the table and cover their church. That oh, shouldn't yeah. be, yeah. it shouldn't be that way. So I'm going to start off by saying that, but there's always, whenever there's the element of humanity, there's also an opportunity for perversion. And I do believe it's Sis, say perversion. that again. I, you, you just dropped the bar. We cannot just skip on over that. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, well, you know, if we're involved, we're going to try to find a way to mess it up. That's just what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I do think that it is a perversion to say, I will provide this spiritual service for you in exchange for money. Or I will provide this spiritual service for you only if you pay for it. Because we don't see that in the gospel. In fact, yeah, when somebody um, in, I believe it's also in Acts, I don't remember what chapter, I want to say like 17 to 19, somewhere thereabouts. When um, the disciples were preaching, somebody who had a lot of money was, was impressed. And he was like, how do I get this gift that y'all have, this gift of the Holy Spirit? How much do I have to pay for it? And they cursed him and they said, you know what? You're going to hell. You and all your money because you think you can buy the Holy Ghost. Right. So there, so the Bible is showing us that there that there is an inappropriate way to approach this situation when it comes to money and spiritual gifts. But we also see, for example, people taking up offering. So, again, there's a proper way and an improper way of doing it. And, it, and I feel like whenever we associate our our wages, our living, you know, earning a living with works of the gospel, we have to be extremely careful because it, it presents a conflict of interest. It, yeah. For the most part, it presents a conflict of interest because you're trying to, your main goal should be to minister and a minister yeah. is a servant. So you're serving, that's your main goal. But once you start trying to earn an income off of it, now you have another goal, which is to make money. And, and in most cases, make as much as you can, right? Or at least mm-hmm. make some to your satisfaction. And that becomes a goal and that can pervert your spiritual eyesight. And so I do think that we should not be charging for prophecies. I don't see no way in the Bible. I'm sorry. We got a whole bunch of prophets, a whole slew of them in the Bible. And I don't see not one instance where they said, um, you have to pay me in order for me to release this prophecy to you. You know what I'm saying? This word from the Lord to you. That just doesn't happen. In fact, there are more instances of people turning down money because they didn't want people mm. to feel like it was because they offered it that yeah. they were able to get that work. So I would say in that, in that vein, it's kind of similar to paying a psychic because 
when you go to a psychic, you're paying them to tell you things that you don't have access to yourself, right? Supposedly, um, you supposedly don't have access to yourself. And that's kind of the same thing. The, the prophet is saying that they have access to a, an ability that you don't have. And in order for you to gain access, you have to pay them. And we don't see that in scripture. Scripture tells us that the gifts were given for the edification of the church. And so he intentionally gave people different gifts so that we could work together and build up the body and bring people into the body. Yes. Not for personal, you know, gratification or anything like that. So yes. yeah, that's something that we have to be really, really careful with. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't condone that practice. I think it's anti-biblical actually. Mm, mm. And I also think we have to be careful. I'm one who I need to know all the answers. I just need to know everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just is a part of anxiety. It's a whole thing, right? Yes. Yes. And I know that, you know, there are a lot of believers who are struggling. We want we want answers. We're confused. We are troubled. We are, you know, doubting. And we just want hope. We just want something to sustain us in moving forward. Right. And sometimes because we feel like our our prayers aren't being answered or whatever, we're like, you know what? Let me just go to the prophet. Right. So I I. While I honor that desire to be comfortable in your belief, I think we have to be careful in trying to know it all. Because again, that goes against our faith. It goes against our faith when we don't solely rely on God. And again, that's a faith thing. That is a faith thing. We will not know all the answers. Sometimes we're in places where God requires us to just jump or just move forward without knowing what the next step is. Amen. And um, so we have to be careful. Like there is no man on earth who's going to have all the answers for you, just period. And someone who is presenting themselves as if they do, uh, I think we should question that. So on both sides, I think we have to be careful. Thank thank you. Thank you for breaking that um, down. I, I think that's really deep what you said. And I think that it kind of diminishes our personal efforts with God, because yeah. if I had a backup plan, I could just run to somebody and give him a little money and he's going to tell me what to do. Yep. And I don't really have to do as much soul searching and, and seeking after God as I would if I didn't have that option. Yes. Um, yes. And, and, and from what I understand, what scripture is showing us, God is a very personal guy and he's not unwilling to do for one person what he does for the next person. Yeah. So, it, you know, if if someone can get an insight from God, if anyone can get an insight from God, then everyone can. It's just a matter yes. of oh, that's good. If someone can, him. anyone can. That's good. Yes. You yes. just be like starting them in there, sis. You gotta slow down. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want us. To, I just feel like what you said was really deep. I don't want us to cheapen our own relationship with God yeah. by relying on somebody else to fill certain voids and make it a little easier. And like you said, sometimes God leaves things you know, obscure on purpose. And we need to operate within that obscurity rather than have, because sometimes we go to somebody for a word and the word don't be true, but we're satisfied because our need to know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, I I, I, I think that's really important. And let me say this too, because I do know some prophets with, with such integrity that do, you know, do these entrepreneurial kind of things. I remember a friend of mine telling me that she sought out one, you know, for his service. And, you know, she had some questions and she told me, he was telling her, like, you don't need me. You need to do what you already know. Like, do what God already told you. Like, you came to me seeking for answers, but you got the answers, sis. And I appreciate people like that because he was pretty much saying, like, there is nothing more I can offer you right now. You don't need my service. Clearly, God has spoken to you and I ain't going to tell you nothing differently. So before I take your money, let me just tell you, girl, go ahead and do what you was already doing. So there are people who have integrity and who are honest and who are not just trying to pimp their gifts. So I do appreciate people like that. Mm-hmm. Manifesting. Um, we hear it all the time now. Oh, they they manifested that or, you know, their success is because they manifested something and manifest, 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 manifest. We just manifest whatever, manifest husbands, manifest <laughs> millions, manifest, we just manifest everything. And I'm like, well, <laughs> this manifesting thing ain't working because I've been um, speaking all the things. Okay, in my vision, certain things in my vision board, they're just sitting. Now, some of them things have happened, but there are other things that's like, no, it's not my time yet. Can you tell us the difference in, in this trend or practice of 
manifesting versus what we believe as believers to speak those things that are not as though they were. What's the difference and why is simply manifesting not effective? Okay, so even with believers, right, when we speak things that are not as though they were, it's an exercise of faith. And just as Jesus prayed before going to the cross, nevertheless, let thy will be done and not mine. This is the attitude of a true believer. Like we, we may have our requests and we're encouraged to bring them to God. We're encouraged to bring to him not only our needs, but also our, our simple desires. And to trust that out of those things that we present to him, whatever is for our good, he's going to give us. And whatever is for our good for him to withhold, he's going to withhold. So we recognize in a true prayer of faith that the power is not necessarily in us speaking it. The power is in us bringing it to God and, and trusting him with making the right decisions for our lives. And so it, it's circling back to the same thing. It's not the olive oil itself. It's, it's the God behind the olive oil. It's the God that we're actually praying to, right? And so that would be the main difference. When we, when we speak things with, with an intent to simply manifest it, we're taking authority and we're saying that we govern, but we don't govern. We can't govern. The Bible says you can't make yourself grow an inch. We ain't like got you, no power. Nothing <laughs> over your own self. Okay. Like you can't make your hair grow if you want to. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so we have to make sure that we leave God's authority to God. Yes. We leave it to God. Let him operate in his sphere. That's why he is both Lord, meaning ruler and savior. Right. Um, but oftentimes we want him to be our savior and we want to be our own Lord. So we Listen, be- sis, come on. preach. <laughs> we want to be the ones to govern our affairs. And I appreciate the way that God operates, because even though he's the ultimate decision maker, he still invites us to bring our input. He says, okay, empty your heart before me. What is it that you desire? And we can work on the things that are good for you and those which are not good for you, I just won't give them to you. Or a lot of times we force his hand and by our own actions and take things from him or take things from life that we shouldn't have. And then he still, Romans 8, 28, he still finds a way to make it for our good, right? As long as we're, we uh, repent and submit. So manifesting is another form of witchcraft because you think that by saying things, you make them happen. You make a supernatural effect out of a natural thing, a natural occurrence, your words, your, your vibrations and all of these things. Now, I will say there's a certain element of goal planning, right? Goal mm-hmm. planning, there's nothing wrong with goal planning and setting, setting ideals. There's nothing wrong with even, for example, speaking positive words because these things have a psychological effect on you, right? So yes. in terms of your own biology, your own biochemistry, when you are having your mentality set toward a particular thing, of course, subject to God and his decisions. But when you have your mentality set toward a particular thing, you are more inclined to seek after it and to pay attention to when you have opportunities in your life. But some people misunderstand that and think that they're dragging it into their lives. I'm gonna give you an example. I remember my husband, he flips cars or he he likes to buy cars, fix them up and sell them, right? Mm -hmm. So one time he bought this car I'd never seen before. It was an Alero. I don't know why I've never seen it before, but I've never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Once he purchased that car, I started seeing things everywhere. Yeah. What? So is it because he bought the car that now they're manifesting all over the place? Or is it that my attention uh-huh. has been honed in? Now I'm starting to notice something I didn't know be- notice before, but it was there. And so that's kind of the same thing. Like when we're when we have our eyes toward a particular plan or a particular goal, particular mindset or attitude, it, it allows us psychologically to pay attention to those things Mm -hmm. but it's not that we're dragging them into our lives we we can't we can't do that unless i mean (laughs) we can do certain things to a certain extent yeah uh, like i said by taking trying to take the reins from god and then operating within our own power but that comes with its own consequences hello hello (laughs) and i've had to decide over the years like i don't want to be lord over my life like that's too much work you know I don't want to get ahead of him. There, yes, there are things that I wish he would speed up in my life, you know? And yes, I do wish, you know, in certain areas, I wish I did have more control, right? But overall, I'm like, I don't want to be Lord. I enjoy being like, all right, Lord, you got me here. You got it. You got it, bro. Exactly, exactly. And he has the benefit of being able to see yeah. From a perspective that we can't see. Yes. We see the immediate thing that we want, but he sees all of the 
the the the side effects. He sees all of the consequences. He yes. sees the benefits and the you know. So we can trust his decisions. Whereas yes. our view is limited. We can't trust ourselves. We can't even if what we see directly in front of us is accurate. We can't see behind that. So yeah. it, it just makes more sense to trust God with everything. It just makes more sense to trust God with everything. You preach. <laughs> Let's get into so this one is is tricky for me because I um it's, it's about astrology. I um I do not study stars or constellations. I do not pray to them. I do not depend on it to give me answers. However, I will be like with the quickness I am a Libra through and through. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I don't mind saying that when it comes to like zodiac signs. Um I'm not into it a lot, but I'd be like, oh, yeah, you're definitely a Leo. Like, and I get along with Leo as well because Libras and Leo have compatibility, like that kind of thing, right? Am I dibbling and dabbling in witchcraft? Yes. (laughs) 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 Yes, ma'am. So I I find the way that society works is so interesting, the way culture is set up and how we like incorporate things into our minds that are like, we kind of secularize them. Mm-hmm. Like we compartmentalize things in such a way. So, <laughs> so for example, like what you just said, like somebody asked me the other day, like when was my birthday because of the things that I was saying to them? Yeah. And I was like really hesitant to answer that. Like, um, <laughs> why? Like, I knew why, but it's yeah. like, oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but we've kind of put Zodiac in the, in the, in a, in a compartment in our minds where it's just secular but it's not mm. like everything surrounding everything surrounding it. And I think what, what makes it so alluring for people mm-hmm. is the fact that it seems to be so accurate, right? Mm-hmm. It seems to be so functional. Um, and therefore I guess we make it more like a natural reality rather than a supernatural reality. Mm. Right. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is the Bible explicitly forbids it. it he, the Lord explicitly says that we should not be observing times or stars. And I, I, I forget the verse, mm-hmm. um, but but he he he. I think it's in Isaiah. He says, "Call those people who wait for you at the beginning of the month and tell you exactly what's going to happen with your life. Like, go ahead and call them and see if they're going to be able to save you when Jesus comes because they're going to go to hell." Like that's basically <laughs> my summary of, of what he said, and so. Is as innocent and mainstream, I think that's the word I've been looking for, as Mm -hmm. mainstream as it may seem, it is in his eyes an abomination. It's it's still a certain element of us, just like you were talking about before, trying to control things that we have no control over or make sense of things that otherwise would not make sense. Yeah. Um, And so we're relying on, again, we're relying on physical things, stars, um, the times people were born, where the Mm -hmm. planets are and all those things. Um, to produce or indicate supernatural realities for us. What is my disposition going to be like? What is my career life going to be like? My mm-hmm. my love life based on those physical things. And that's just not how, it's not how it works. It wouldn't be effective if it didn't have some track record, right? Like you can't be deceived by something that don't look like the truth. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, so, so yeah. It's one of those things where it has to, just like any other thing, just like witchcraft or manifesting or any of these other things we've been discussing, it has to have some indication that it may work or it does work, at least for the probabilities for you to look at it like it works more likely than not. There was something you said earlier. um, And it's basically like when you said about not being able to fully understand supernatural things, Mm -hmm. but still having faith. And so that's kind of one of these things we have to approach um, the Zodiac with and kind of coming from the opposite direction. In other words, it looks like it makes sense. Mm-hmm. God said not to touch it. We just have to go off the strength of God saying not to touch it yeah. to stay away from it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry if that was, <laughs> I'm not trying to be, uh, you asked me straight up. So I like, I got to answer her straight up, but yeah, it's, I love it's it. I love it. Stay away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is where it gets tricky for me when not not even just with astrology, but I think what we'll do is what I have observed is this idea that we've got to 
what is I always mess up this phrase, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Is that the, is that mm-hmm. the, is that how you say mm-hmm. it? We'll do that as Christians where it's like, you know, astrology is a sin. So that means stars are demonic. And it's like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I really I really have a problem with people calling God's creation demonic. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with the stars. God created the stars. Nothing wrong with the moon. But depending on the moon and the time, maybe there, there's issue there. There's nothing wrong with crystals, but maybe depending on crystals, you know. Mm-hmm. Are, are, but so I, I really have a problem with 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 us being so quick to call um an object demonic when it's like wait a minute but this is god's creation how are you how are you telling me that something that he created is wrong like mm-hmm. so i i appreciate you breaking it down and making that delineation like no this thing is cool but how we use it and how we rely on it that is where you know the problems may lie because i do think like i'm I, I love science right so when it comes to constellations and these different things are cool to me but I think what I'm trying to say, what I'm, the message I'm trying to convey is our interest in creation in itself is not demonic, but depending on creation versus the creator is where we mess up, I think. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And so that's what I'm trying to convey. It's like, I, I don't want to deter people from, you know, not exploring, right? Exploration in itself is okay, um, but there has to be some boundaries around these things. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's that's spot on. Actually, um, I often uh, struggle with conveying to people certain principles because we look at Eastern religions as though they were just so much deeper than the Bible. Like they just mm. they just so deep. They have all these principles. But if we were studying the Bible with a you know, I want to say a pure and sincere heart, we would see that it supersedes all of these other things. So why not bringing this yes. up? People focus on nature and they see that that there's something supernatural about the natural people can look at nature and say you know i can tell that there's a spirit involved here and so they start associating different spirits with different elements because what they're really doing is they're seeing god in nature and yes and if it's something that comes directly from god's hand you're going to see his fingerprint on it yes um and so the idea behind nature, the, the, the idea behind, for example, God having fields of wildflowers that are varying in different colors and different scents and all these things. He does this. He did this intentionally for it to turn our eyes to him. Yes. But again, like you said, we pervert it and we turn our eyes to other things and we start trying to fabricate how we can work this for our own good and, and manipulate nature and all those things. But the reality is, we should be able to see God in nature. Like we should, we should look at, um, we should look at the sea and see how boundless it is. Just like uh, it says, I think it's in Psalms where it says the oceans, they come up, but they stop. But so far they don't go past this point. Yeah. Like you see this entire big body of water. And for some reason, unseen to man, it don't stop past this shore. Why? Because that's the boundary that God set for it. You know what I'm saying? And so, there's absolutely nothing wrong with appreciating nature. In fact, done properly, appreciating nature can bring us into a closer relationship with God because yes. we can see his character. We can see, yeah. for example, times and seasons are rhythmic. They, things rely on that rhythm and and um, how nature provides for itself, how, how the sun, for example, doesn't, it doesn't do anything for itself. The life that it gives off is for everything but itself right? The sun doesn't get any benefit from giving light or, you know, just different things like that. Like how we look at nature and nature provides for each other. One animal does the ecosystem depends on one animal doing one thing and everybody playing their their part. And this is an indication of the character of God, of how his love is in operation, just like the body in the church. We're talking about different members having different functions. It's the same thing in nature. Different animals have different functions. And so done properly, God's intent would be carried out and we would see him in nature as opposed to, you know, like you said, like focusing our attention on something else. So I, I love nature. I, I encourage people to, to study biology mm-hmm. and even is it, yeah, astronomy, not astrology, but astronomy <laughs> um, and look at how we can find God in these things yes. because he created them. Yeah. So yes. yeah, definitely don't throw out nature with with all that stuff. I love that. I love that. So the last thing I want to touch on is crystals. I know that we 
like to say, well, you know, since I got this love crystal, you know, I've been attracting love and the men are just coming or this other kind of crystal or this crystal and just its presence alone is somehow um, influencing good things to happen. What's that all about? Um, it's again, it's taking our um, our faith and putting it in an object. Logically, and I mean this respectfully to anyone who believes it, logically, a rock and love, what, what do the two have to do with each other? Like, I don't see the connection, right? Yeah. <laughs> but somehow, because we're trying, again, you know, people will say certain things like vibrations and things like that. Yeah. And um, we're trying to manipulate and do the best we can to force life. Lord, that's mm-hmm. what it is. We're trying to force life to give us what we want. Yeah. And so we use these different tools to do that. Um, but it, it, so I also want to caution this by saying, um, giving this disclaimer. It's not that witchcraft don't work. Mm. It's not that it's not real. Witchcraft is real, baby. Like <laughs> demons are real. Um, spell casting often does work if you're not c- covered by the blood of God, mm-hmm. uh, the blood of Jesus. It may work. Yeah, people yeah. do harmful spiritual things, especially like being of African descent. Um, my family being from the Caribbean, people from the Caribbean have, I think, more of an exposure to indigenous religions and witchcraft and things of that nature than those of us um, from the States. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, uh, the reality is these things are real. If we believe that demons ain't real, we're being deceived. They're real yeah. and they are intelligent beings, meaning they make decisions and they operate, they function. So that being said, you may cast a spell and get what you're looking for. Mm. But where are you getting it from? What is it costing you? Mm-hmm. Right. Ultimately, what is the cost that 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 you're paying? So maybe you did put this rock in your pocket and, <laughs> and 10 dudes try to holler at you because you got the rock in your pocket. But it wasn't the rock. Just like just like it's not the olive oil is God. It's not the rock. It's the devil. Like yeah. there is some supernatural, intelligent being behind whatever natural thing you're trying to use. It's never just that item itself. Even when the Bible prescribes us to do certain things and use physical things for our supernatural ceremonies or whatever the case is, even when God tells us to do that, the moment we take our eyes off of God and put it on the thing, it becomes a sin. So, yeah, I just want to leave that out there that people may be getting results from this and they think that those results are validation for engaging in that practice. But just because it's real, I say this all the time, just because it's real, don't make it right. Hello. Hello. Okay, I said that was my last thing, but I actually have one more because I think this will really help us. I think this will really help us in understanding um, a powerful practice but using it properly. Meditation. When we look at um, meditation and like Eastern practices and even, you know, people like, um, what's that man's name um, who we canceled? What's his name? The man we canceled? (laughs) The hip hop like founder, Russell. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know. We canceled so many people. I don't know. Rev Run's brother. We canceled Russell Simmons? Russell Simmons. You know, well, I mean, well, he... Anyways, I was Russell Simmons. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't be keeping up all the time. <laughs> so even like people like Russell Simmons, you know, made meditating really popular, you know, like yoga and, you know, clearing your mind of thoughts and, you know, all those kind of things. Meditation in itself, I don't think is wrong, but can you help us understand the difference between the secular meditation or um, the alternative religious way of doing meditation versus the biblical way of meditating because meditation is a biblical practice that we that is again is commanded in scripture um can you help us understand the difference in how we should properly meditate yeah so i think the practices are two different things that go by the same title meditation in the eastern sense and I, i i hesitate even to say that because the Bible is an Eastern book, right? <laughs> so, so I hesitate even to say that, but for sake of conversation, meditation in the Eastern sense, what we're taught in mainstream society is to empty our minds completely and make as po- as much as possible our mind completely devoid of any thought. 
once you've mastered that, now you're truly meditating. You mm-hmm. on point. You know what I'm saying? You can graduate to the next level. Yeah. Um, but the Bible, when it says meditate, it means the opposite. It means to chew on something. It means to think about. So he says, um, the psalmist says, I meditate on your law day and night, meaning I'm thinking about it. I'm well, I'm looking for, for its practical applications. I'm praying for how to understand it. I'm asking God to break it down for me. I'm putting it into practice. The, the Bible says that when we behold things, we become changed by them. So mm-hmm. whatever our focus and our attention is, it has an internal effect on us and we become more like whatever we're focused on. So if we're focused on the character of God, the idea then, the, the, the physical reality, the psychological reality is that we become more like him by reflecting on him. Yeah. And so those, those are two different, like those are polar opposites. And so just like I said a moment ago, how you know supernatural malevolent spirits, evil spirits exist and they operate. The Bible says that when somebody casts out a demon, the demon leaves the place cleaned or whatever, mm. and they go around and they come back. And when they come back, they see that the house is empty. So they go and get seven more demons stronger than themselves to re to re um, inhabit the original person or mm-hmm. original place. <clears throat> that emptiness is dangerous. We're not mm. supposed to be empty. So the place was empty. And so they found nobody occupying it and they came and they took over. They took residence. Um, but what God is trying to do, he says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we should be full, not empty. We should not be voiding our minds. We should I'm be getting stirred over minds. here. I'm getting stirred. <laughs> we should be filling our minds with the word of God because his word is alive. Right. Yes. The living yes. word. So we should be filling our minds with his word and with his spirit because we are his temple. He's supposed to be dwelling in us. And the more we feed on his word and digest it, the easier it becomes for us to be like him. He's imparting his principles, his thoughts, his attitudes, his even, I would say, emotions, the way we react to things are going to come more clearly from him than if we try to empty ourselves. And, And when you really start to study what happens to people when they experience meditation and the mind clearing, it is an exact textbook scenario from what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. They, you can't stay empty. Something yeah. is coming in there. They yeah. often experience so many different supernatural experiences that they had not gone through before because they've allowed themselves to become open. And now the devil is just pouring stuff in there. They start feeling emotions that are um like, I want to say detached from reality. Mm-hmm. It's like, usually when you have an emotion, it comes from like a reaction to something. Mm-hmm. But when you're meditating and you're empty and these emotions come from nowhere, they're not coming from you. They're not coming from nowhere either. They're coming from spirits that you're allowing to inhabit you because you've emptied yourself and made room for them. So it's a very dangerous practice. Now, I I, I know you mentioned um, like mindset and um and peace and all that. I, I'm very big on having a Christian mindset and having peace. I feel like Christians should be at the forefront of peaceful people. When we yeah. think peace, we think people sitting in the yoga position and we think of tranquility and that's how you get peace. So I understand that people often go that route in an effort to reduce anxiety and stress mm-hmm. and get a greater grasp on their own emotions. But that's not the way the Bible teaches us to do it. It's not by emptying ourselves. It's by seeking God, studying his word and asking him for his power and his spirit to overcome those things we're trying to overcome. If you need peace, the Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. How are you going to get more peace than from the Prince? Of yes. Peace? So so we're neglecting the tools that have been given to us Mm -hmm. and we're seeking, we're basically going into darkness looking for light, but we have light accessible to us. And so I just want to encourage any Christian who may be listening, who, um, who meditates for the sake of gaining, you know, that, that peace or trying to reduce stress or anxiety, the desire I want to validate, like you said, I want to validate that desire to not be stressed out. But I also want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit has the answers you're looking for. And if you haven't found it or if you've gone to your church leaders and they haven't been able to provide that to you, I would just start by reading the word of God. And he's going to reveal to you how it is we gain that peace. And the number one thing, I'll end it by saying this. The number one thing that God tells us, child, look at God. (laughs) The number one thing he tells us about gaining peace 
is to stop trying to control everything, which is what this entire conversation has been about. Yeah. Us trying to control everything. So when we stop worrying about tomorrow and we trust that God has our back, when we stop worrying about the things that we cannot see and know that God can see them and that he's looking out for them, this is when the peace comes in because it replaces the anxiety of us trying to manipulate, control, or even seeking to completely understand our lives and the world around us. That's how you obtain peace is by surrendering to God, not emptying yourself and letting the enemy come in. Oh, this is good. And I love how you just brought that all together and, and, and made it full circle. That wasn't thank me. You. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, when I, yeah, I, yeah, I be getting happy over here. And I just like, I'm over here rocking like, who this is good. I'm getting stirred. Like, yes, Lord. I even think about that scripture that says he'll keep you in perfect peace as you keep your mind stayed on, on him. Yes. <laughs> yes. Amen. Yes. That's one of my favorite verses. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Whew. This was good. I appreciate you for having this conversation conversation, and for teaching us and showing us how these things that we think are harmless and or just neutral or helpful, they're not. So let's be careful. I hope that this helps um, you listeners. I hope it helps you all. Um put things together. I hope it helped you. Uh, I hope it helped to clarify some things for you. Um, And if it brought up even more questions for you, I hope it pushes you or or gives you even more desire to deep dive into the word. Um, So thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. I want to get into our next segment, brownie points. This is a segment that we just take a quick moment to um, celebrate ourselves and love on ourselves for something that we've done well, something that we have not done. That's a good thing. Something that we have accomplished, whether it's minor, major, whatever it is. I want us all to give ourselves some credit instead of focusing on what we didn't get done this week. Let's think about what we did do very well. So, Miss Neffy, what are you giving yourself brownie points for? <sighs> Um, I need a moment. Yeah, take a moment. <laughs> take a moment. Um, okay, I'm just going to be transparent, right? Like, it's hard for me um, not to recognize that I do accomplish things, mm-hmm. but for me to take credit for them because mm. I, because I rely on God for everything. And I don't want, I don't want, to, I mean, I don't hate to sound super, you know, she's super safe. She came to say she did something good, but I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, I really mean that. Like, so I've been having some medical um, issues over the past couple of years mm-hmm. and um, I've under, undergone treatment this past week and it was rough. Like I was sick and nauseous and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And today by God's grace, I'm up and I'm here with you. And it's a blessing for me to be able to be here. With yes. you. And I'm grateful for that, but I don't, I don't see how I can take, you know, take credit for it because yeah. <laughs> it's him that got me here. I'm so sorry. I hate, I hope I'm not ruining your segment. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> I, I love it. It was like, what am I going to say? I have no idea. Cause I, <laughs> without him, I, I literally can do nothing. So. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Um, and blessings to you on your journey of, of recovering and treatment, all that. I pray God's strength. I think it's beautiful, though, that you receive that strength to be here. Like, you know, that you put it into action. So that was you, sis. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> I am giving myself brownie points for... Um, Showing up, I was invited to be on a Black history panel recently. And um, though I talk about these things in regards to the Black community and the state of our um, community, social justice, all these things, I talk about these things all the time, but I've never spoken about it on a panel. I was like, what? And this panel was full of like pastors and counselors and PhDs and activists and agriculturalists and educators. And I'm just like... Y'all want me to be on this panel, but I showed up. I was myself unapologetically, and I am very proud of myself for doing that. So that's what I'm giving myself burning points for. And you, whatever it is, take a moment, hug on yourself, love on yourself, treat yourself, write a note, post it on Facebook or Twitter or something, just whatever it is, take this moment to celebrate yourself and love on yourself a little bit more and remind yourself you're dope. 
All right, Miss Nephi, where can the people find you? Please tell us how we can follow you and support all that you're doing. So I have a website, nephernitty.com, N-E-F-E-R-N-I-T-T-Y. And I'm also on YouTube and Facebook by those things, um, by that same name. So just reach out if anybody has any questions or anything like that or wants to connect. I love talking to people if you can't tell. So, <laughs> so uh, feel free to reach out and uh, send me an email or follow me on Facebook. And um, yeah, I'd love to connect. Wonderful. Well, thank you so, 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 so much. I am so appreciative of you and I'm so thankful that we were able to connect. All right, y'all. Well, this is it for this episode. So let me leave you with this. I hope that you be well, love well, and be loved well. You deserve that. Until next week. Bye.